We are Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. Music provided by the Atlas. Crossover Connection with Scarif Scattlebud Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Crossover Connection episode. And uh, Gio, do you know what that is? Yeah, this is a great opportunity for us to actually share with our listeners podcasts and content creators that we enjoy and we would love then to actually get to see. Now, tell us, Robert, what we have for this week. Oh, for this week, we have uh, one of uh, my favorite podcasts is Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. And nice. this episode I actually listened to is called, it's episode 97, and it's called Fuck Yeah, Dinosaurs. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here you will hear uh, Alex and Ro talk about the myth and realities of dinosaurs. Uh, it was a great episode. Nice. And how, how can you let our listeners know how can they actually spot the Crossover Connections episodes on our feed? Well, basically, what you're going to be seeing uh, weekly, we're going to start posting these, or at least I'm, I'll try to post these weekly. So basically, when you look through our feed, you're going to start seeing a different image. And a in the episode itself, will start with crossover connection. And that's how you can spot. Those are our bonus episodes where we're going to be featuring our very good friends, uh, other podcasters, with uh, episodes that we think you might enjoy. So we hope that you not only listen to this episode, but you go into their feed, subscribe, and listen to theirs, because you will not be disappointed. Oh, we sure you love it. Awesome, awesome. So I, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and let us know what you think. So guess what song I was humming in the shower this morning? Uh, the theme song to Jurassic Park. Yeah, I catch my kids singing that all the time. It's adorable. It's a catchy tune. It is a very catchy tune. And I think John Williams is to thank for that. John Williams is to thank for many a nerd tune, I would say. Indeed. And he recently, um, recently had a birthday. Oh, is that right? 90 years old. That's a lot of years, oh, man. 90? Yeah. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> no. No. Don't put it out there. Don't put it out I'm there. I'm not saying shit. <laughs> Health to oh. Mr. Williams, the yes. master himself. All the best. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Okay, folks, we got a special Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast today. Uh, you know him uh, on the interwebs. Uh, you may have known him uh, originally by the name Imperial Entanglements back oh, in the day. That's a deep cut. That's a deep, <laughs> that's cut. A deep cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, when uh, Brad went out to sea to do his thing, um, Mr. Nerd, I call him Salty because we go way back, uh, helped us out here. Uh, co-hosting with me uh, on several episodes of the scare of scuttlebutt podcast thank you very much for that but uh, we have none other than the salty nerd himself mr nerd how you doing man i'm doing great man when you uh you reached out to me and were like hey bro i'm doing a dinosaur podcast and i'm like okay i'm i'm getting involved there's no <laughs> ifs ands or buts about it Absolutely. And, and thank you for that. I, you know, when, um, obviously recently we had a, a really great surprise. Uh, we had uh, another Jurassic Park movie, uh, trailer dropped and I think there was a lot of buzz in the community and obviously we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but I wanted to do a, a special, you know, little discussion on, on dinosaurs and, and why we love them so much. And the only name that came to mind to, to help me co-host was, was you, man. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that in my circle of influence, people know me as like the Jurassic Park guy. That, right. that makes you're the that dinosaur brings, guy. Yeah, that brings joy to my heart. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, absolutely, we got uh, we got the Viking guy, we got the Star Wars guy, the dinosaur guy. Uh, you know, <laughs> we all got to know uh, one of of many guys or gals that that we know for for certain things. So that's awesome. Thank you. So, you know, in, in tune with uh, the fact that uh, when I first started listening to podcasts many, many years ago before I started uh, Scare Up with Brad, you know, I, I was searching online and there was a lot of podcasts that just, you know, talked about bullshit, you know, for the first mm. 15, 20 minutes. Um, I found you, obviously, you, you and uh, your salty, uh, salty crew. Um, and I liked what you guys were doing. So uh, in that vein, let's cut to the chase uh, and... Uh, Talk dinosaurs. Absolutely. Let's go. So I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, what is your earliest memory of, of dinosaurs uh, growing up? Uh, well, this is actually a really big story uh, for me personally. And one of the reasons why I do what I do as far as like talk about movies and stuff. And uh, it goes way back. Uh, I was, was it 1993 or 1994 when the first Jurassic Park movie came out? I was about five, maybe six years old. And uh, it was like the first movie that my father ever took me to go see. And I remember it being like this thing where he's too young. He's too young. You shouldn't. My mom was like very upset about this. Like you can't take him to go that, see that movie. It's too scary. And my dad was like, Nope, he's good. He's old enough now. It's about dinosaurs. What's the worst that could happen? And, uh, well, he took me to go see that movie and I was terrified from the very beginning where that Raptor drags that dude into the cage and all the way to when the T-Rex chases the Jeep. And then don't even get me started on the kitchen scene with the Raptors. Like I was on the edge of my seat, literally shaking in my boots. That is not a joke. I, I re physically remember shaking from fear. Wow. Yeah. And then it's pretty intense. It's a pretty for, especially for a five-year-old. Yeah. And uh, I remember right after when the credits rolled and John Williams music came up and we started walking out of the theater, I remember looking up at my dad and saying, can we go see that again? Wow. And from that moment on, I was not only hooked on movies in general and just like pop culture and stuff like that, but I was a freaking dinosaur nut like that, that put something inside me where I, I need all the dinosaurs I can get. And from that point forward, the toys started showing up um, uh, way back in the nineties. They had a line of toys. I don't remember who made them. If it was like Hasbro or Medell or whoever it was um, made a line of toys for Jurassic park. And uh, they had like the, you know, the Raptors and the Dilophosauruses and the T-Rex and Alan Grant and Dennis Nedry and Ian Malcolm, little action figures. I had them all. And uh, I, that's what I grew up playing with. Uh, those were my those were my childhood toys. That's awesome. Um, you know, we'll we'll get to the question of why dinosaurs are so cool and what they mean to us, especially in the cinematic universe, um, as we talk about Jurassic Park. But um, yeah, that, I was going to ask you exactly that. You know, we all grow up with you know toy soldiers mm -hmm. and toy dinosaurs. I think that's uh, you know when when we're kids, uh, you know, at the front line, we get handed these things, and I think dinosaurs are are definitely part of that. Oh, for sure. It's a, I think it's a generational generational thing, too, because dinosaurs are fascinating to pretty much everybody at some point in time in their life. Like, they, you know, some people grow out of it and they're no longer interested. But I, I think it's safe to say that most kids growing up, even in the generation before me, um, knew about dinosaurs and played with dinosaurs. And, you know, it's a it's a big part of being a kid is learning about these massive creatures from from way before time and it's it's i think it's a staple of our culture in general absolutely you know i remember getting a a little plastic bag with little plastic dinosaurs mm -hmm. and you would play that with them and you go out in the backyard or or at the beach and you know you'd bury them and then they they pop out and they <laughs> battle each other uh, you know, probably along with the toy soldiers. So it's, it's yeah. definitely memories that I think uh, a lot of people our age share. And uh, it'd be interesting to see, you know, if uh, if that is still true. I know, uh, you know, my son, when when he was born, I, I did get him, you know, besides uh, some Star Wars action figures, there's some dinosaurs in there. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously dinosaurs have been kept alive Um both figuratively and, and, and actually by, by the media. We've got movies, we've got TV shows and animation, uh, kids growing up watching these dinosaurs. But I was going to ask you, like, why you, do you think dinosaurs are so cool? 
Um, I'm going to have to go with what Steven Spielberg said uh, in, an, in a documentary about Jurassic Park. And somebody asked him that very question. What is it about dinosaurs that fascinates people? And he was like, basically, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that mythology. You know, you're, you're a young kid and you see these, these unbelievable, terrifying and fascinating creatures that shouldn't be real. But then you grow up and you learn that they are real. They did exist. They were on our planet. And I think that just, it kind of solidifies this thing where, you know, you can, you, Greek mythology has lasted thousands of years. And uh, I, I think we all know there's maybe some truth to those stories, you know, but mostly it's just fairy tales and storytelling from generation, you know, oral, oral tradition. But when you learn that dinosaurs actually lived here and there's a science behind it, and if you want, you can dive deeper and you can learn more about these actual real things that existed. It just, I don't know, it does something to your psyche where you're just like, man, the possibilities are endless. Like what else is out there? And then, you know, you get kids who grow up and they, they get deeper into the scientific community and they start diving deeper into that. And then they become, you know, uh, what's the word? Um, Marine, like okay, so they become like marine biologists or something, sure, and they learn how right. many crazy amounts of creatures are out there in the oceans. It just it opens up a whole world of of exploration, and I think it both terrifies and fascinates uh, people of all ages. Absolutely, I, I I think I hear some footsteps coming. That roar. Those yeah. footsteps and the roar. I was going to ask you because, you know, obviously, you know, the story of, of why professionally I do what I do. You know, the 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 experience of going to see Star Wars as a seven year old mm-hmm. really inspired me to learn as much as I could about, you know, filmmaking and, and the, the people behind the scenes at Industrial Light and Magic and all that stuff. And you just, you know, recounted a story about how Jurassic Park going to the movies has uh, inspired you to do what you do. And it is kind of a fascinating thing. I, I love that, you know, works of fiction, for the most part, just inspire kids to dream, to, to become, and really to learn. I think that's, uh, that's one of the positive, positive aspects, obviously, of, of, of movies and, and media um, that is out there, because it really, it really taps into our imagination. And you're right. Dinosaurs look amazing if they weren't for the fact that they existed back then and you're, you're absolutely right we 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 kind of latch on to that and it's just it's an amazingly inspirational aspect of of dinosaurs per se i, I love mm-hmm. that so i'm going to ask you you talked about generational thing um here, here's a quick uh, funny question were you of the barney um dinosaur or the flintstone dinosaur generation <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think I'm ashamed to say I was part of the Barney dinosaur era, <laughs> but I, I can't say for sure that I ever watched that show. It was never right. something, it wasn't a staple of my childhood. I don't remember ever sitting down on Saturday mornings and watching Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> um, I have, I have watched the Flintstones. I grew up watching some of those old classic cartoons. Um, but when it comes to dinosaurs, those are not the examples that I think of <laughs> in my, in my, uh, nerd brain. I'm like, no, I don't right. think about Barney. I'd probably forget about Barney if you wouldn't have said anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, uh, as, uh, as growing up, you know, a teenager or even as an adult, do you ever find yourself going back, um, even further back from, uh, Jurassic Park in 1993, uh, to, research on on some of the old movies that were created like even back in the 30s and the 40s with uh, stop motion animation oh absolutely yeah there's um there's a ton of classic uh, 30s and 40s and 50s movies that have that have that wonderful stop motion uh technology working for them with the dinosaurs and stuff and uh i think once i hit a certain age that's it wasn't like five or six years old or anything, but once I hit a certain age, probably in my teenage years, when I started getting a little bit more into what movies are and you know what the history of them were, um, I went back and I watched those classic, the King Kong versus the T Rex. You know, it, those movies are are amazing, especially for those times. And 
I've done podcasts in the past about like what inspired the people who created the thing that inspired me. So what inspired people like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas to create these movies? And a lot of it goes back to those 1930s and 40s classic sci-fi films where you have people and cavemen going up against T-Rexes and stuff like that. Like they watched those movies as kids and then grew up and made their own version of it. And that's what I grew up with. So that just feeds right back into that generational thing where it's one, what inspires one person leads them to create something which then inspires the next generation. Absolutely. I totally agree. And um, it's great that you mentioned, you know, the the King Kong stuff and fighting the T-Rex. You know, it seems like dinosaurs never really leaves modern entertainment. There's always There's always a little bit of a gap, but we always get you know, new dinosaurs or new mm -hmm. uh, creatures like that. You know, obviously Godzilla comes to mind. Um, and uh, I'm not exactly sure of the origin of Godzilla. I know it's uh, it, it came from Japan mm -hmm. um, as kind of an answer to, uh, not really an answer to King Kong, but, you know, we had uh, Japanese monster movies that are very inspirational with, uh, with American cinema. And, uh, you know, we now have uh, you know kong versus godzilla uh, in the <laughs> mainstream uh in the pantheon of of monster movies and i think that's uh that's great you know we've got uh the new jurassic park coming out soon and uh it's obviously creating buzz i don't think uh dinosaurs or the buzz of dinosaurs were, will ever die down i think as long as we have the interest and are curious about those animals um i think it'll continue oh for sure yeah I'm passing this down to my kids, which is another generational movement. So uh, they have books on dinosaurs that they sit down and read and, and they request, you know, oh, dad, can you read this one for me at bedtime? And it's a, it's a book about dinosaurs. And all, literally all it is is an encyclopedia of dinosaurs. And they just want me to read it. And I can't pronounce half the names. I don't even try. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, I don't know, it's something about that. You know, it, it, it strikes that imagination uh, within everybody. And as far as the movies go, um, there's always going to be a market for uh, for dinosaur films. And I think what kind of put a stranglehold on it was actually Jurassic Park because they did it in such a way that nobody had ever thought it could have been done before. And they, they nailed it so perfectly as far as like a pop culture type thing, like movie making style, um, where even though some of them, if not most of them, were not accu accurate to what dinosaurs really looked like, in everybody's mind in this day and age, when they think about dinosaurs they think about jurassic park or they think about the style of dinosaur from jurassic park you know that the reptilian looking thing the t-rex they're all so iconic nowadays that that's what everybody thinks of when they think about dinosaurs for right off the bat um but i think there's room for other people to step in there's been other movies out there uh, i think disney made a dinosaur movie that was like night it was all cgi um it was like one of those early cgi movies that uh, went for that photorealistic style. So there's always going to be a market for it. It's just, it's a fascinating tale. And the fact, again, the fact that it was real and there's actual scientific evidence to back it up makes it all the more fascinating. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned Jurassic Park and how uh, I think Jurassic Park really set the benchmark. Um, they, you know, ILM did some fantastic CGI work. And, you know, we always talk about the line that Phil Tippett says that uh, I think I'm extinct. Uh -huh. um, as far as the stop motion animation and, and things like that, I, I think, um, you know, when, when people think of dinosaur movies, you know, Jurassic Park, you know, even released, uh, you know, many, many years ago, they still go back to Jurassic Park because that has been the benchmark of dinosaurs and film uh, since the release of the film. So mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, great credit to the crew that, that uh, you know, behind the scenes again, that, you uh, Th that worked on those movies, I, I think it's fantastic. I wanted to ask you because I, I know, you know, in the past we've talked about um, Jurassic Park and Michael Crichton's uh, novel and, and, mm -hmm. and this and that. And I know you you mentioned in, in, in the past, I don't know if it was on a podcast or, you know, us talking, um, the, the, the story of uh, the actual novel and the movie is a little different, isn't it? Can you go into a little bit about the differences there? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's been a minute since I've read the first novel, but they are on a rotation for me. Like they're just a, something if I'm bored, if I haven't listened to it in a while on Audible, I'll throw on uh, Scott Brick's amazing narration of both books. And uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some differences. Um, 
the two kids are, are a little bit different. Lex is actually the younger one. Tim is the older one. Lex is the one who's obsessed with baseball. So, they, I mean, they make some character changes. Um, Alan Grant uh, in the book loves kids. Uh, he he loves hanging out with children. He finds them fascinating. And I guess uh, Steven Spielberg had a different idea for that. Um, I think it had to do with um, Grant's character arc in a movie setting where he had to have some kind of a growth. Otherwise, he would have been a stale character. So they had him not like kids at the beginning. But then by the end of the movie, he was kind of, you know, the surrogate father figure for these kids. And that was his character arc. So it kind of it flushed out the movie a little bit better. So I don't think any of the changes that they made were necessarily bad. There's one scene that strikes me as uh, it would have been amazing to see in the movie, but I think uh, the technology wasn't quite there yet, and also it's it might not have been needed. But there's a scene in the book where Alan and the two kids are sneaking past a sleeping T-Rex that has just uh, eaten a dinosaur, and uh, they accidentally wake it up while they're trying to get onto a raft and go across this river. And the, the dinosaur actually gets in the water and starts chasing them down and starts swimming across the river and, and knocks over the raft. And it's a whole big scene. It's a full chapter in this book where it's just like this terrifying thrill ride of like who's going to get eaten next, um, which I mean, it would have been wonderful to see. Maybe we'll see it in some of the newer movies because that's they do that a lot, too, is they'll take elements from the first or second book and they'll sprinkle them in within the movies that are are out right now. Uh, it just as kind of like a nod and a callback. But uh, I think the, for the vast majority of it, um, the story might be slightly different, but what's important is the heart and the lesson and the, uh, the uh, yeah, uh, heart is the best way to put it. The, the heart of the story is still intact within the movie. Like they don't change it so drastically that it's not the same thing. It, it, they're very much two of the same stories. Just one is for a medium of visual and and you know movie going audiences and the other one's a novel which there, there's always going to be differences in those two sure, things sure. and i remember you telling me that uh the the book is a lot darker than the spielberg oh, yeah. uh, um and although you described you know going to the movies and that first scene the chase and all that thing you were shaking as a kid how darker how more darker can it be but uh you did uh, describe it as as the tone is a little bit more serious a little bit more darker yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, it doesn't have that Spielbergy whimsicalness that the movie has. Um, Spielberg is very talented at making um, very frightening situations, like right on the line of family friendly. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he can, like even Jaws. I mean, Jaws at the time was terrifying, but now everybody's seen Jaws, and it's it's not it's less of a terrifying movie as it is just it's in everybody's culture and everybody's kind of used to it. They all know Bruce the shark. So it's, it's not like a as, Thanksgiving uh, family tradition to watch yeah, Jaws. Yeah, you know? <laughs> with your kids and watch Jaws these days, which I don't think was true in the seventies. <laughs> but right. like Spielberg's really good at doing that. He's really good at making these movies uh, available for the, a lot of audiences. And uh, Jurassic Park, which PG thirteen at the time, it still is. It's not as graphic. The book, if they were to make the book completely faithful and put it on screen, I, I think you might be looking at NC seventeen. Mm. Um, there's some very graphic deaths, uh, especially, um, Nedry. Uh, he, he does die in a very similar way in the, in the book that he does in the movie, but it's, it's told in graphic detail. Uh, Dr. Wu, who is a, a longstanding character in the movies dies in the first book, uh, mm. in a very gruesome way, uh, to a raptor. And then the second book goes even harder where there's multiple deaths where the, the story is actually told from the perspective of the person being eaten. And it's, it's pretty dark. So they've never gone that full, like that are R rated in the, uh, in the movies quite yet. Uh, I think the most gruesome one you can example you can think of in the movies is, um, Eddie Carr in mm -hmm. the lost world where he gets ripped out of the car and ripped in two by the two T-Rexes. That's a pretty gruesome death, but they don't show it cause it's dark and it's raining and there's no right. blood or anything like that. But just imagine that in the book, but in full gory detail. Sure. And I remember there was some controversy last year regarding a woman that was uh, taken from the <laughs> and then uh, dropped in the mouth and all yes. that stuff. I mean, you described something that was utterly horrific uh, being uh, ripped out of a vehicle and ripped in two. But the controversy was uh, this woman that was thrown in in the uh, in the mouth of this dinosaur. That, that's what bothered people. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a very weird thing for people to latch onto as far as right. being offended by something. But the only logical, um, uh, argument that I've heard so far 
kind of not liking that that scene is because her character was kind of a throwaway character and it seemed like they went overboard like in 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 most of the other movies the person who dies on the scene either morally was a darker character who you kind of like you as an audience you were like okay well he deserved to die because he was a right. kind of a jerk right and then the other type of death is a heroic death somebody who sacrificed themselves for somebody else which is eddie carr's uh, death is kind of falls under that category so there's two different deaths in the jurassic park franchises and this poor woman she doesn't really fall into either of those categories it wasn't a heroic death and it wasn't like oh she deserved it so if you want to argue that, I will. I can kind of understand where you're coming from, but overall, I mean, come on, man! Like, it's, it's a dinosaurs. dinosaur. It's dinosaurs. <laughs> like, they're not going to care if you're a good guy or a bad guy. They're just going to freaking hungry. eat you. <laughs> exactly. So we had uh, a couple of questions from uh, our Twitter friends. My uh, co-host Shanti uh, wants to know what your favorite dinosaur is and why. Oh, geez, this is so tough because the ones that I like the most, I can't really pronounce their names. Um, <laughs> well, you can say the, the one with the spiny back. Yeah, or the, especially, you know, with the, uh, especially with the, you know, not having it broken down in front of me like an encyclopedia. Um, well, I, I think this is going to sound real basic and I, I hope this isn't disappointing to people, but I mean, I got to The T-Rex is iconic. It's, a, sure. it's the tyrant lizard. It's yeah. It's every kid's favorite dinosaur, if you ask them. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you a funny story, though, is I, I really, um, when Jurassic Park 3 came out and they introduced the Spinosaurus aegyptigus, I, that was a dinosaur. I, at that point in time, when that movie came out, I wasn't really aware that that thing existed. I was like, oh, crap, this thing's real. Holy hell. Like, that's awesome. Um, and then what happened, I think it was in 2019 to 2020, uh, there were some new scientific discoveries coming out about Spinosaurus, and it completely changed the physical presence of this dinosaur from it was kind of like bigger than a t-rex and it stood on its hind legs and it was a theropod and you know it was just it was the the next biggest thing next to t-rex or whatever uh, but new scientific evidence has shown that it was actually more along the lines of uh a, almost like an alligator or a crocodile where it kind of like mumbled along on all fours a little bit and then it was also mostly aquatic and it had like almost like a fin-like tail which kind of fed into that spine on the, on its back. So if you look at it now, the scientific community is like, that's that movie is completely wildly inaccurate. <laughs> and it's funny because growing up, I thought the Spinosaurus was freaking cool. And then right. seeing what like it actually is today, a, according to the newest evidence, I'm like, that's a little less cool now. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that, that that's happening, though. I think it's really important that we get things right. And and sure. uh, I think the Jurassic Park franchise is also kind of queuing in on that, too, because um, they're making some slight changes to the dinosaurs. And in Jurassic World, um, the Colin Trevorrow movie that came out a few years back, they actually made a point of having Dr. Wu, the like again, the longstanding geneticist in the movies, um, make a comment about how the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are not accurate. They're what you want wanted us to make because mm. it would sell tickets. If they yeah. actually made them to be accurate, they would look way different. I really love that they took the time yeah. to put that line into the movie because now no matter what changes might come up, you know, we might find out that the T-Rex was completely different than what we've seen in the movies. They can still go back to the movies and say, well, this is why it looked different in the film. Right. You can't criticize the movie for that anymore, which is really cool. Yeah, that's really cool and, and interesting. You know, we'll get to uh, – there's another question that I had in the notes regarding the science and, and stuff that they're doing now. But, um, you know, you, you talked about uh, – do you see any animals uh, in today's world that kind of remind you of dinosaurs? I know there's a lot. And, yes, you can say birds. <laughs> I was going to say, well, <laughs> every bird. Um uh, it, well, I mean, remind, yeah, you can always, you can definitely see, um, animals out there that have, have that lineage, uh, even from lizards. Lizards are the very, are the easiest one. You'll see the, the iguanas, uh, from those Pacific islands that are huge, like giant freaking creatures. And you're like, yeah, I could see if that was just a little bit bigger, I would classify mm -hmm. that as a freaking dinosaur. Sure. Um, but then, you know, you get the birds like, uh, ostriches. I mean, those are just, I mean, if you look at the anatomy, they're kind of just raptors with really long necks. It's, it, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they run really fast. They have giant claws on their feet and they're terrifying up close. 
I totally get it. You know, they have those those yeah. those bird eyes that just kind of like stare through you. They're they're <laughs> frightening. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a there's a ton of animals out there that I I look at and I go, yeah, that's definitely a dinosaur. In fact, oh, I got. I wish I could. Maybe I could pull it up. There's a bird. Uh, you can edit this out. I'm going to look this up right now because this is important. <laughs> <laughs> dinosaur bird. There's a bird out there that is horrific looking, and it's it's like seven feet tall. What are you putting in the search thread? Dinosaur bird alive today. Here we go. Found it. <clears throat> oh, the one that kind of looks like a weird pelican. Yeah, shoe, a shoebill. Shoebill stork. Shoebill stork. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just popped into my head when you asked me that question. There's a, a a bird called the shoebill stork, and if you look at photos of on Google of this creature, it is like if it just had teeth, it would literally be a raptor. Yeah. It's huge. And, and it's got the, these, the, these eyes that, like I said, just kind of like stare through you. Like, I'm going to kill you right now. Like it just, it fits the bill, man. Like that is the perfect example of no, that. no pun intended. Yeah. That <laughs> nice bro. Um, yeah, that, that's it, man. That's a dinosaur right there. hundred percent. All right, time for the big thank yous podcast family to those of you that support the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Team Scarif gives you all a heartfelt thank you, wonderful people who have found it in their hearts to support our show. We're super lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, What Up Joey, The Salty Crew at the Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt, super fan of many of the Red 5 Network pods, Nicholas Schaefer, follow him at Backyard Tardis. What's up, Nick? Our Star Wars celebration friend, Chad, at Hyperspace and Holocrons. Jay from Florida, our other Floridians, Frank, at the garrison level. Big thanks. And looking at you, Steve, from Rogue One Radio. Check out that Red 5 pod for movies, music, TV, and more. And certainly not least, our executor level patrons, 97 Bravo and the Conversions Podcast. And Scott and Kim from the Used and Abused Podcast. Big thank you, Red Fivers. Go give them a follow. And our newest garrison-level patron, Melanie Marquita. Big hugs to you, my friend. Huge respect to all our patrons for your support. And if you want to become more involved in the Scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. And don't forget, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. I urge you guys to look for Shoebill Stork. Dude, it looks like uh, something right out of Dark Crystal, too. Right? <laughs> wow. And uh, take a look at what we're looking at. Amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, getting back to uh, a little bit of the uh, serious talk, you know, Jurassic Park was uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, built as, as a, a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Um, there is word in the scientific community. I was looking it up that, that by 2050, because of the genetics that we are doing and the experimentation and the learning, um, people are saying that we will have dinosaurs again, since we found some, uh, dinosaur DNA from a pregnant T-Rex. Um, do you think that's a good idea? Should we be messing with stuff like this? What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> like, it's not like we don't have six movies that tell you why this is a bad idea. There is a kind of uh, um, immorality to creating something that already had its chance in in evolution. And uh, dinosaurs actually survived better than we did. We've only been around for about, what, uh, uh, certainly... You know, 100 million years, perhaps, and uh, dinosaurs have been around, you know, for 350 million years. So uh, you, I, I think there's a, I think that being the most successful living form on this planet, um, and we're just beginning, we're kind of like a virgin, you know, uh, race of, uh, of man, and woman. Uh, I really think that we're, um, it would be wrong to go back and bring the dinosaurs back in real life, but not in the movie. I 
I've heard the same thing, and there, you know, it's always exciting to hear that there's going to be some kind of a new breakthrough in the scientific community, especially about genetics. But it's a very, very slippery slope, and it's it's extremely dangerous to be mis- messing with those kind of things. In my humble opinion, I'm not a scientist, but I'm just like looking this from the outside in, going. I wouldn't mess with that, dude. I'm like right. kind of like the Ian Malcolm character. Like, uh, you don't mm. understand what you're doing right now, do you? Uh, but I recently listened to a podcast, and I, I wish I could give them a proper shout out, but I don't remember uh, what it was. It was a scientific community podcast where they interviewed a bunch of scientists and geneticists who were actually working on this very thing. And they said at, at the moment, which is 2020 or 2021 when this was recorded, they said, we we can clone creatures that are alive now, but the problem is creatures that have either been buried or uh, underneath permafrost for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years in some cases, the DNA and the blood and the fluid and stuff like that might be still intact, but because of the freezing of the creature, it's completely destroyed. Like there's nothing usable within that DNA sequence to take and clone. It's just not possible because it's it's literally destroyed. So even if you can take some blood out of the creature, more often than not, there's not going to be any actual DNA to use. So in this podcast, they kind of like pop the bubble on that idea a little bit, uh, which I was also glad about. But what they did say is because they understand genetics a little bit better, the second best thing that they can do is they can take birds in embryo and genetically modify them to more closely resemble dinosaurs. So take, for instance, they, they said a chicken, it's very possible within the next 15 years, we could have a genetically altered chicken that looks like <laughs> a raptor or some kind of a small dinosaur. And we were, it's just kind of funny, like, okay, so it's not a dinosaur. You're just messing with some genetics of a creature that's alive today. That's um, scary. Yeah, it is kind of scary. There's <laughs> genetics is a big thing, and, and that's sure. kind of what um, uh, Michael Crichton wrote these these books for. Because in the '80s and '90s, when he was writing these books, um, g- you know, genetics was a, an up and coming science, and they were learning a lot more about these types of things. And uh, it very much was a cautionary tale for him. Like, what if we did something that we couldn't control? What if we did mess around with nature to the point where we made a drastic mistake? And brought dinosaurs back. And and that's kind of what the moral of the story is. And I hope that scientists today who are inspired by Jurassic Park take that lesson and go, <laughs> maybe we should. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe not. I saw what could happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'd only hope that, uh, you know, scientists and uh, other smart people and ethics experts uh, can kind of weigh in and, and mm-hmm. really, you know, figure out what the uh, what the advantages would be of uh, messing with uh, genetics. Um, it's yeah, you're right. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. And they said the same thing about uh, woolly mammoths, because that's a big conversation starter, too, is that, you know, they found woolly mammoths more or less intact mm-hmm. underneath the permafrost. And um, they were like, what if we clone these? And they said, yes, we could probably get some kind of DNA out of them that might have survived. Um, but they said the best option at the moment right now is, to, again, to just go and genetically modify an elephant to make it a little bit more hairy. And they're <laughs> like, if we do that, which we can do then that would be the closest thing to a woolly mammoth we'd be able to get to. Yeah, just put some frog DNA in there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of frog DNA. <laughs> we use the complete DNA of a frog to fill in the holes and complete the code. And now we can make a baby dinosaur. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, too, what you thought uh, the uh, strongest uh, dinosaur was. Strongest? From um, your perspective. And I, I don't think we have to go into detail as far as uh, what, uh, you I, know. I, uh, think- I think there's a there's a creature, a dinosaur. Um, I think I believe it's called Gigantosaurus. I, I think that's the official name. I don't know if that's just like the popular name or if that's actually the official name, but um, it's bigger than a T-Rex, but it's essentially the same, very, very similar in, uh, in you know, it's a just a really big T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that that might be uh, top billing for strongest. I don't know if anybody's beaten the T-Rex's uh, um, bite force. <laughs> I know we've done studies on that and how powerful the bite is of a T-Rex. I'm not sure if anybody's topped that, but... Um, there's definitely bigger animals than the T-Rex out there, which would take the bill. 
And I did see a number on the uh, bite force of a T-Rex. It's uh, a little over 12,000 pounds, which uh, which I, I can't fathom. Wow. <laughs> 12,000 pounds per square inch? Right. That's intense. It is, totally. <laughs> um, but, you know, T-Rex uh, has got some small arms, so I don't know how it's uh, going to do the barbells or, or free weights. So sorry, T-Rex. <laughs> Those things are feathers, bro. They're they're wings. They're not. (laughs) So obviously everybody talks about their favorite dinosaur movie, Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg. We all remember that. But do you have any other um, dinosaur movies that uh, that you really hang your hat on? Uh, Well, like I said, the the Disney movie Dinosaur, um, I thought was uh, really. Yeah, the animated animated one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fairly good movie. Um, I also kind of like it's a guilty pleasure of mine, but I really enjoyed. There was a TV show that came out not too long ago, but it didn't get renewed for a second season. It was called Terra Nova, oh, and basically I it has to do with time travel or some kind of an interdimensional travel where the Earth is dying. You know, we've destroyed it via climate change or, or pollution or whatever you want to say, and um, we leave Earth going through some kind of a portal wormhole, and we end up on this. Uh, uh, alternate universe earth but it's prehistoric and there's Mm -hmm. dinosaurs still active so humans are populating this planet which uh is also happens to inhabit with uh dinosaurs so it's a fun show i i enjoyed the heck out of it i'm kind of bummed out that it didn't get renewed for more seasons um because it did it did dinosaurs well you know for a tv show with a limited budget i think the the dinosaurs look fairly decent i do remember uh, that yeah i had a lot of fun with that one um the other classics i mean you're never going to get the, the, like you said, the thing with Jurassic Park is it set the bar so stinking high that if you watch anything else, everything else kind of pales in comparison. And as still, far as the, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, still, even today, kind of just pales. Um, but you know, the Lost World. There's movies out there that are kind of like low budget, made for TV movies. Um, mm. Those are very, very interesting. I think it was a um, an archaeological crew go down to South America and they find you know the Lost World, and it, I think it's based off of a, a, of a classic novel. And uh, those movies are all enjoyable. You know, if you have a good story, you can you can forgive a lot about the, you know, effects and CGI and stuff. You ready to do homework? Okay, I got a... a you want to say hi to Ro? Come here. Come here. Here, tell him how much you love dinosaurs. Hi. You love dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah. Do your best impression of a dinosaur. Uh, a T-Rex. What is? How does a T-Rex sound? <sighs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. I'm using that as a promo. Yep. <laughs> I figured as much. I was like, oh, we might as well get him in on this. <laughs> So real fast, before um, before we close out, and we haven't done this in a really long time, um, we're going to do a quick uh, game of Sentry Mode where I fire off some Jurassic Park questions to you. And uh, for an expert, I think, uh, you know, these questions are going to be softballs. I think you're going to get a- every one of them. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, what do dinosaurs represent to you? What do you think? Or to, to everybody who loves them? Um, that's a great question. I, I think everybody's probably going to have a slightly different answer, but for me, they represent, um, imagination and they represent the possibilities of learning. And like, like I said, you know, I'm teaching, I'm homeschooling my children and I'm, you know, doing stuff like that. And when we explore these subjects and we talk about dinosaurs and we talk about, you know, prehistoric history and the evidence that supports all this, it's, it's a mind-blowing thing for a young kid and sometimes even for me i learn new things all the time and i think it's just really important that we keep that um we keep that love in our heart for these amazing creatures that lived so long ago and that we can learn about and we can continue to study and, and learn new things and it's just it's a great thing i i'm very much in love with the character of alan grant like he he represents all that good stuff to me like he's out there digging up the dinosaurs and and learning new things about them and teaching you know people about it and 
I, I, I hope that, and I hope and I wish that uh, the scientific community continues to support these endeavor, endeavors and uh, learn even more about these creatures. I think it's, I think it's a great thing. I love it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, they, they also represents perseverance, um, the, uh, the spark of curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think dinosaurs really spark the curiosity in, in man. Um, and like you said, you know, just learning about them, they actually existed. They actually walked the earth. I think Steven Spielberg um, definitely uh, has created something that will go down uh, through the generations as a, a favorite uh, of, of people that love uh, dinosaurs and movies. I think they married uh, the two and uh, looking forward to the new movie. Yeah, me too. Century Mode, Jurassic Park Edition with the Salty Nerd. This is Century Mode. This is going to be easy, man. I'm terrible at trivia. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it my best shot. All right. Question number one. Jurassic Park was released in what year? 1994. Ooh. First one wrong right out the bat. 1993. Was it 93? I thought the book came out in 93. (laughs) Dang it, man. No, that's okay. That's okay. book came out in 92 then. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, question number two: Name in the movie, name the island that uh, our heroes go to see these dinosaurs. Isla Nublar. Very good. And question number three: The actual location they shot uh, uh, on uh, on this island. That was the island of Hawaii. Um, I got an answer of Costa Rica. That's where it takes place. Off the coast of Costa Rica is where the story takes place, but the filming of the movie took place okay. on right. Hawaii. Schooled by the expert. <laughs> I, I hope I made up for my wrong date at the first <laughs> <Yeah>. question. <laughs> Absolutely. Question number four, Dr. Grant's first name is? Alan. And question number five on our Sentry Mode Scarif Jurassic Park edition, name the three actors of the original movie. Uh, Sam Neill played Alan Grant, uh, Laura Dern played Ellie Sattler, and Jeff Goldblum played Ian Malcolm. Very nice. A perfect score. I won't count the first one. <laughs> you definitely made up for that. Uh, okay. Awesome. Very, very nice. This is Sentry Mode. Alex, it's been wonderful talking dinosaurs, and I know you coined a phrase uh, way back in the day uh, because of your love for dinosaurs. You even made a T-shirt out of it. Uh, can you tell the folks what that is? Uh, I don't. Am I allowed to say it on the on this podcast? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, as part of this, uh, my excitement for these movies and for dinosaurs in general, and just anything to do with with prehistoric creatures, uh, I, I coined the hashtag hashtag Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs uh, <laughs> because I just feel like it just says it so well. It's like anytime somebody says, "Hey, there's some new information about this dinosaur," or "Look, we found this uh, this new creature in the permafrost and we're studying it." fuck yeah dude like yes it's kind of like that jesse pinkman thing like yeah right. science bitch like that's the same exactly that's the same vibe man i i just i don't know i'm i'm probably gonna catch some heat for saying that for my kids someday but <laughs> but uh well, it, it just kind of expresses how i feel about the whole the whole thing like the movies and the actual scientists behind learning about these creatures like heck yeah dude that's awesome well, you know, it. Uh, you might get shit, but you have to remind folks that it comes from a good place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't so, judge me. <laughs> don't judge. Yeah, dinosaurs. Absolutely. Alex, uh, thank you so much. Tell our wonderful listeners where people can find you. And I'm sure that's a moot point because the Salty Nerd is found everywhere. And everyone that listens to us, I'm sure, knows about you. But go for it anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, we're doing some really exciting things over there uh, for the Salty Nerd podcast. Of course, you guys can catch all of our episodes on any podcast platform that you might be listening to, especially Spotify or Apple iTunes. Uh, We do podcasts every single week on the audio side. We have three podcasts that drop. Uh, We do a TV show review. We also do uh, our S&P Weekly, which is three movies that have to do with a specific theme. Uh, Each theme is different for the week. 
Uh, for instance, this past week that we just recorded was Kurt Russell Western movies. And the week before that was zombies. We're all over the place. Anything and everything that has a theme or a genre to it that's sci-fi or nerdy, we dive into it and have a great time. So you guys can catch our podcast there. If you want to catch a live stream on YouTube, if that's your thing, I do a late night live stream podcast on my YouTube channel, uh, the S&P Late Night. Uh, it's a various different topics. It changes from week to week. Um, I, I like to do interviews with interesting people. I also like to cover movies and TV shows that I might not be able to do on the main show that might not fit into a specific genre. It might not be quite nerdy enough, but I still enjoy it. I do those kind of things on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific time on the YouTube channel. That is awesome. And before I forget, we do have one more question from Andrew over at uh, the uh, Coruscant Radio Underground, uh, part of our Red 5 network. Should they be doing more to cast more diverse dinosaurs in Jurassic World? More diverse dinosaurs? You know, I think it was a joke. Are dinosaurs, okay. <laughs> are dinosaurs too white? I don't know if you can whitewash dinosaurs. I have never heard that one before. All right, people. It's a joke. Take it easy. Relax. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Just wanted to remind you all, we can be found wherever you find your other favorite shows. iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Podchaser, Backtracks FM, Podtail, Owltail, Google Podcast, and of course, our own Red5Network.com to name a few. And don't forget to drop us a voicemail at 773-234-8659, our Scuttlebutt hotline. We want to hear what's on your mind. Your call is very important to us. Let us know what you think of the show, what future topics we should tackle, or just to say, hello there. Please hold. Thank you, Salty, for joining me on uh, this wonderful discussion about dinosaurs and uh, why we think they are so special. If you guys uh, have... Uh, uh, a thought about this discussion or if you want to chime in to see why you think dinosaurs are so cool give us a call 773-234-8659 we got a scare of scuttlebutt hotline or just uh head over to twitter and tag us you can use fuck yeah dinosaurs we'll find it <laughs> we'll check it out thank you very much uh alex have an awesome day thank you for joining me this is ro from the scare of scuttlebutt podcast and that's the scuttlebutt Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>